Hey friends, it's Mark James. But then again, you already knew that, didn't you? That's why you're here. Well, it's maybe not why you're here, but it would be difficult for you to be here without knowing that. How's it going? <laughs> I'm in quite a good mood. Not for any particular reason. Only that it's Wednesday and I don't have a show tonight. And it is raining outside, which I quite enjoy. There's something alluring, isn't there, and enjoyable about being sort of hunkering down, about being locked inside, away from the world, squirreling away, just being cosy. You know, they're nice things, aren't they? Especially when it's pissing down, when it's really badly raining outside. But then so many things have negative Everything has consequences, doesn't it? Everything has a negative upshot or downshot. Because when it really rains outside, I can romanticise that quite easily. I enjoy it. I feel like it's nice to be inside when outside I can hear. I enjoy the sound of rain. I enjoy looking at the rain and seeing that outside it's pissing down. I find that um, sort of poetically beautiful. (laughs) But... If it rains too much, things flood. You know, I mean, on a personal level, the upstairs office in our house has a flat rooftop because it was built as an extension. And so when it really badly rains, sometimes that leaks a little tiny bit because it the water collects on there for hours and hours and hours and it continues to come down and so the inside of the roof sometimes gets a little damp spot which is bad that's a downside but beyond my own selfish you know things about the house I live in other houses flood properly we're lucky that we live at the top of a hill but at the bottom of the hill they get bad floods it floods so frequently at the bottom of that hill I mean fuck knows why anybody buys a house there it's mental they are nice but they flood a lot um, they have sandbags outside of their doors permanently. They literally keep them stacked up on either side of the front door so that if it rains, they just move them in the way, just in case. Because at the bottom of that hill, the water flows terribly. So that's a downside. Then you look at being locked in the house. You know, the lockdown was... I quite liked a lot of it, except for the fact that the tiny downside... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are, we all have to have a bit of gallows humour now, don't we, about these things, because it's the only way to survive. But, you know, aside from the downside of loads of people dying, getting chronically ill, and, you know, thousands of people losing their jobs across the world, um, and, you know, 50% of everything being total dog shit, physically just being locked inside of your house for a few months was all right. I think that's what I like about Christmas, Christmas Day, you're off work, aren't you, usually? A lot of, some people are not off work, you know, a lot of people still go to work. But in general, a huge swathes of the population of the planet tend not to work on Christmas Day. And the nice thing about Christmas Day, or any sort of enforced holiday like that, it isn't that you're off work, because you get days off all the time. It's the fact that you're off work and you know everybody else is as well. So the fact that the world has stopped to a degree just eases the social pressure that you should be doing something. When you've got a day off, I think this is at the heart of what I'm trying to say. When you've got a day off, there's always a social pressure that you should be using your time as they say, a, a, a quote, which in case you haven't you know, seen it yet, I won't um, talk about it further. But I heard a good quote recently, which is, um, 
I will not waste my days prolonging them. I will use my time. I like that. I will not waste my days prolonging them. There's no point in wasting your life in an effort to make your life longer because a life lived thoroughly is surely better than a long life lived poorly. That's the, the crux of that. But um, there is a social pressure to use your time always. You've got a day off. Well, you better, you know, get the go and hoover the car, do the house. You better do them jobs, get on with your work assignment or, you know, you better do these things. When actually there's a huge plus size to doing literally fuck all sweet fa because you need to recharge those batteries you need to have time where you do nothing but it's really hard to have that time where you do nothing and also enjoy it because of the huge gaping social pressure that comes along with doing nothing and so holidays are good for that because you do feel like you're supposed to be doing nothing and if the lockdown had one bonus and it, and it's very difficult to say that it had any bonuses but if there is any good to be found from it it's that we all got to do quite a bit of fuck all and again not all of us but a lot of people got to do a lot of fuck all and the social pressure was removed and for me personally when I was able to let go of some of the worry that came along with it, um, I didn't I didn't always mind it. Some of it was okay. And having a day off today is quite joyful. And I've got a few days off coming up. But then predominantly, once November starts, I've got a lot of time off. So what I'm doing right now is I am squirreling away. I'm saving as heartily as I can. I'm putting as much money to one side as I possibly can. Every time I get paid, I'm putting, you know, 80% of it away in a savings account so that I can survive through the winter. That is me putting nuts in my cheeks. <laughs> I don't mean I've started a new job um, where I earn money, you know, doing that. What I mean, what I mean is <laughs> that's me storing nuts for the winter. You know, squirrels put nuts in their cheeks to carry them around. They're not ready to eat them yet. I couldn't do that. Imagine how the imagine the self-control of a squirrel. There's the title of the episode, by the way. The, <laughs> imagine the self-control required to be a squirrel that you this is brilliant by the way this is a proper bit of stand-up here i know i haven't said it yet and i've only just thought of it but i'm making a note of it as something that i need to remember self-control because i'm going to call the episode this self-control of a, a squirrel this is me typing in my notes so sorry okay now, I may have given you enough time to get ahead of me on this thought, but imagine the sort of mastery of self-control required to be a squirrel. In that, you carry the food that you're intending to eat later around, but they don't have pockets, so they carry it in their mouths. Imagine if you had to do that. Imagine if you had to walk around today and you know you were having a bit of cheesecake later, but you had to carry that cheesecake around in your mouth and not swallow it. 
Can you even begin to imagine how hard that would be if your mouth was big enough for that endeavour to carry a piece of cheesecake around on the inside of your cheek and not chew or nibble or swallow that cheesecake? How physically impossible that would be to do, even if you were full and you'd eaten way too much stuff to the point you felt sick. Carrying a bit of cheesecake around in your cheek and not cheeks cake and not um eating it would be impossible or with any food you know a bit of chocolate half of a big mac by the way the the mcdonald's have done a thing now where they're sort of supersizing everything so the quarter pounder is now a double quarter pounder why they don't call that a half pounder i'm sure i've mentioned before blows my mind just call it the half pounder burger but i suppose it's to do with brand isn't it and then the big mac is now a double big mac so it, And the Big Mac already had two burgers in. I know they were thin, so it's a bit of a false economy. I think there's less meat in a Big Mac than there is in a quarter pounder. But um, it's now a double Big Mac. So you get four thin burgers inside of your Big Mac. The sauce is the one for the Big Mac, isn't it? That's what makes that a great burger. But the double quarter pounder, I honestly think, is one of the best burgers out there at the minute. The ratio of meat to cheese to bun to sauce to relish, pickle and onion, it's just phenomenally good. I love the double quarter pounder. But anyway, enough about self-control and squirrels and McDonald's. I haven't done the weight update, have I? <laughs> I'm sure you can guess. I am to the pound, exactly the same weight as last week. Uh, and the, Sorry, as the week before last week. Literally no change. I stayed the same. I'll tell you why in a minute, but yeah, nothing, nothing changed. Tom and I had takeaway and stuff. That day when I did the podcast last, when I was in the car um, and I was driving and stuff in Norwich and whatnot last week, that night Tom and I met. Let me just finish those thoughts that I was saying before I get on to what's actually happened in the week. Um, yeah, the rain is brutal, but I like it. I really do enjoy the sound of rain the cosy feeling that that creates and the pressure that it alleviates from feeling like you should do anything because the rain makes you think, I'll just stay in today. Today is not the day for, you know, going out. And because I'm about to have a lot of time in November, basically my diary goes dead because I'm not doing a pan or anything. I am booking some virtual shows. In fact, I'm doing three next week at 6.45 a.m. for a conference in Mumbai. Imagine that, 6.45 a.m. every day next week. I'm doing virtual shows. Quarter to seven in the morning. I'm going to be up at six every day. Ridiculous. Anyway, so that's that's next week. But um, my diary just goes dead. November, December. It's really shit. So, well, it's not shit though, is it? Because if I save enough money now, it'll be okay. And because you can, that's another thing the pandemic taught me. I can live on a lot less money than I thought I could. We really can get by on way less um, for a longer amount of time than I realised. So that's my plan, is to save as much money as possible in the next few weeks while I'm being paid for these gigs. And of course, I've been doing Curious Mysteries, haven't I? And I'm getting paid for them. And they were good gigs, as I think I mentioned before. So I'm putting a lot of money away because of that. And that'll get me through the whole winter, three or four months. I've got to survive, do a few virtual shows. I've got a cruise in January. Um, none of that's mega money or anything, but it will be enough to just keep, you know, keep the wolf away from the door. As my dad used to say, 
So my dad used to say three phrases. One, keep the wolf away from the door. He used to say, um, if I was late for anything, if I said I'll be two minutes and then I was ten minutes, he'd go, two minutes. I wouldn't like to hang by the balls as long. <laughs> that was another phrase he used to say. And um, oh, what else did he say that I said last night? There was Someone said something last night and it made me so. Oh, my dad used to say, hmm, can't remember what it was. Anyway, it was to my friend Jester who just inwardly squealed that I described him as a friend. <laughs> because even though we've been friends for well over a year, he still jokes that he can't, but you know, it's like he's surprised about it. Maybe I'm a deeply horrible person. And whenever I'm nice to anyone and act like I'm friends with them, they can't believe it. I am a bit horrible sometimes. That's how I treat my real friends. If I treat you like I don't like you, that means I really do. Um. Anyway, so... There's nothing better, is there, than calling your friend a dickhead or, you know, making horrible jokes about their mum. That's that's what we do. Just boys, innit? Boy, silly boy humour. So stupid. Anyway, um, squirrelling money away, saving, lockdown for the winter again, um, raining outside, pressure's off, staying in. So that's going to really encourage me to crack on with writing this new show, three new shows, and uh, doing all that stuff. Anyway, weight update, I weigh exactly the same. Goals update, I've written every single routine that I've got on individual cards, and I have been plotting out what I think the shows could look like. Uh, I've made a lot of positive steps before that. I'm also putting together a second first show by having a smaller bag. I want to have a bag that when it is pissing down, and when... I sort of am on a bit later than I want to be. Because for me, I should be, I feel like I should be on stage at nine o'clock at most of the shows I do. I do a family magic show. I get kids on stage occasionally. I feel like nine o'clock is the time I should be going on stage. So on those occasions when I find out that I'm on it, 9.30, 9.45, which really I usually moan about. I don't like that. But at the minute, because the end of the season's so close, I can't be asked to moan about it. So when I find out I'm on at 9.45, I just go, all right, fine, and I, I go on. But if I'm far away from home and I'm on at 9.45, I will moan about that. And if I'm driving home after. But I, what I want is a show in a smaller bag, like a doctor's style bag, that I can literally grab out of the car and I can load into the venue in one trip. Because my other show, my normal show, full show, is two trips to the car. Whereas if I can just grab everything in one go and get out and boom, I'm on the way, that's better. Especially if I want to get out quickly. And especially if um, it's pissing down, which it is obviously raining a lot now, and various other different reasons, you want to get out quick sometimes. So... That's what I'm working on too. I've been buying two of everything. So the cup and ball trick, I bought two sets of cups and balls and, you know, oranges and lemons and all that sort of stuff. I don't mind telling you that the lemon and the orange that I produce in the end of that trick are not real. When I lift the cup and the lemon appears and then I lift it again and the orange appears, those fruits are not real. However, they are the same weight and density of real fruit. That has nothing to do with how the trick works. They don't crush down. They don't fold. They don't, you know, have anything in them that assists with the trick. They're not full of magnets or, you know, some sort of weird contraption. They are literally exact facsimiles of real fruit. The same size, weight, um, shape, everything. 
The only difference between them and real fruit is that they don't rot. And so I don't have to worry about buying new fruit or remembering to throw away those fruits when they go off or whatever. The other thing that happens with fruit as well is that as it starts to decompose, it dries out. And so with lemons especially, they shrink quite significantly from the size that they begin when they're at their peak to a week later or 10 days later when they're just about to start showing signs of going off. They become very small and hard. And so... That's a problem as well if you keep fruit for too long for magic. They get smaller and it's not as impressive. So the reason I use fake fruit is I never have to worry about it. It always stays the same and it removes a variable and it removes a worry, a thing I would have to think about, which would be needless. So I've ordered some more fake fruits as well so that I've got spares of those. I'm basically building my entire show again, but changing a couple of the tricks so say the trick that i do with the bottles that's got an entire table and nine bottles and all that sort of stuff on the show when i go in quickly i'm swapping that for the trick where the audience guess how many jelly beans are in the jar because they both play really well with a crowd they both involve loads of interaction they're both quite funny and they both have a strong magical finish and so and I like doing both of them. The only downside of the bottle trick is that it's a whole extra setup. Setting that trick up is as big as setting up almost the rest of the show. It takes me as long to set that trick up. So there's a big downside to that. Um, and if there's another trick that I like equally sometimes, but takes the show in a different direction, then I think that's okay. And the jelly bean trick takes the show in a slightly different direction, but... That's okay because also in that show, I do the multiple selection trick where loads of different audience members choose cards and I find them all, um, which isn't as boring as it sounds. <laughs> it's really good. Um, but that, again, is a really, really interactive trick. And so if I do the smaller bag show, what it means is I spend a lot more time down interacting with the audience and I have to be a bit more charismatic perhaps and a bit more involved and a bit more switched on and that presents a different challenge because you're really ad-libbing and working with the audience so when there's a smaller crowd as well or it's a smaller venue I find that actually that show works really well and sometimes even better than performing the bigger show at them you know performing a smaller more interactive show with them has a different effect and so I don't feel like the trade-off, and the reason I never did this before, is in the past I felt like the trade-off sacrificed the quality of the show. Whereas now that I've worked out the right set lists, I don't think it does. I think it's horses for courses, and it also allows me to keep fresh with lots of different material. So that's partly what I'm working on today, and I'm going to do that show tomorrow night. Um, I really need a poo, so I'm going to pause the recording and go and have a poo. Um, back in a sec. Okay, I'm back. Yes, I remember that it makes no difference to you and you never even realise I've gone. But I still told you. I haven't got a clue what I was talking about because it was quite a big poo. <laughs> That's because I had a big coffee. When I, In Norwich, suppose I'll crack on with the rest of the week. You don't need to hear me rabbiting on about whatever I was talking about before. Um, when I was in Norwich on Thursday, so I spoke about... Uh, I recorded last Wednesday, didn't I, on the way to the gig. And then on the way home, I met up with Tom in town um in great yarmouth we both parked our cars on the seafront then he got into my car and we drove around looking for a restaurant or somewhere to eat but there was nowhere because it was too late so we found a takeaway 
where there was a bit of a kickoff, bit of a scrap, not with us, but some randoms. Um, and then we both got pizzas. Now, I was annoyed about my pizza because I asked for chicken and pineapple and the guy made me chicken and pineapple, but then I got it and it was red chicken. You know, sometimes when you order, maybe if you're in America, you won't know what I'm on about, but sometimes in England, when you get a pizza with chicken on, the chicken comes and it's like flavoured chicken. It's red. The chicken looks red and it's got some barbecue thingy flavouring or something on. I don't like that. It's not the worst thing in the world. I don't, like, hate it. But I just want normal chicken. I want plain white, ordinary chicken. And it annoys me when it doesn't say that it's flavoured chicken when you order it. It should say. It's usually, obviously, like... Domino's or Papa John's or any chain pizza place or Pizza Hut or whatever, they have normal chicken. And if they do have other chicken, they tell you or they suggest it. Whereas it's usually sort of a place that also does kebab or that it might be that it might be like chicken kebab meat, but a place that also does kebab and, you know, chips and all that other stuff. Um, they're the places that tend to have the red chicken and I don't like it. I need all of the takeaway places to stop doing it, please, so that my life can be a bit better because it's the worst. So we both got our pizzas and Tom had pepperoni and I had chicken and pineapple, but it was red chicken. The fuckers. Sorry if I swan a lot in this podcast. It's because I'm relaxed. <laughs> anyway, so that was uh, Wednesday night. And that, as I was beginning to say earlier before I got sidetracked about squirrel um, self-control, is that that's why I've stayed the same weight. Because it just Tom and I kept eating at different places because we went to Norwich as well Thursday. And then we ate at some places because this Norwich is amazing. Let me just say Norwich, and I've probably mentioned this before in the last year and a bit that we've been doing this. But Norwich is my favourite city in the UK. Because it's got everything. It's almost entirely independent stores. There are, of course, chains like, you know, Primark and Marks and Spencers and Next and Top, uh, whatever. I was going to say Top Man. I don't think that's a thing anymore. There are, of course, those chains. But they're so drowned out by independence that you don't really notice them or, for me, even really go in them. Because there's so many other good places to shop. And so there's like the best coffee place. It's called Strangers. Their coffee is amazing. The only coffee I've had that I've liked from a from a uh, bought out place that I've liked more than Strangers in Norwich is Espresso House in Finland and Sweden. Which ironically is a chain. But their coffee's amazing. I don't know what it is. The coffee at Espresso House is incredible. And that's the only place I've liked more than... Uh, more than strangers but yeah so there's that there's like a movie memorabilia type store that sells dvds and t-shirts and you know those funko pop head figures and it sells like all of the different scarves that the doctors have worn in doctor who and bags that are themed after films and you know the kind of shop that i'm on about but it's huge it's a massive shop and it's got sections for every cult geek tv show and it's got all of the different stuff to do with that show it's really brilliant so i love there um there's a sort of market a covered market which is got loads of different food concessions and uh, i bought these brownies that had 
actually it was a cookie that had a brownie baked into the middle of it. Uh, Tom had this really great um, bao bun thing from a Chinese takeaway place. And it's just like loads of different great food. It's like a covered food market. So we went to that. Um, there's good shoe shops and in unique, you know, sort of um, just great independent stores. Anyway, one of those indies is called Working Title. And Working Title is across three floors, but it sells, it's quite expensive for clothes. It sells like, you know, lamb's wool jumpers. And you know the same way that when you go to a restaurant, if you go to McDonald's, they go cheeseburger. If you go to, you know, a pizza place that's not posh, they just go, there's your pepperoni pizza. Whereas if you go to like a high quality restaurant, they'll go, this is, you know, um, Tasmanian, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. This is Tasmanian, uh, you know, hand cured pepperoni with uh, feta ingrained salt. Well, I'm just mixing loads of words together here, but you know what I mean? It's not just ham, is it? It's like Italian thin sliced mountain baked ham that's, you know, the, the person who cooked the ham was listening to Mozart at the time and that Mozart music infused into his ham cooking ability. And now it's been presented to you on a China plate with gold inlay. And that drink that you're drinking is not just orange juice, it's hand-squeezed, freshly, uh, you know, sun-ripened oranges with yada, yada, yada. They describe everything, don't they? Because that enhances the pleasure of owning or eating or drinking that thing. And so they do that in this shop. It's not just a wool jumper, it's a lamb's wool hand-stitch jumper. And that wallet isn't just leather, it's, you know imported Australian leather that was blah, 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 blah. That's what they do in posh places. They give you a lot of information. In fact, if you read Dan Ariely's book, Predictably Irrational, he talks about how giving that information gives a sense of uh, an upmarketness. That's what upmarket establishments do. And so doing that in your own business can enhance the perception of the quality of your business if you give descriptive words around your products that enhance the enjoyability for the owner. Because when you're wearing a jumper, a wool jumper, that's nice. But if you, this is a lamb's wool, blah, 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 jumper. So that's what they do. But that obviously increases the price of stuff. So anyway, in that shop, they had a, a metal, a red metal Snoopy mug. If you look on my Instagram, you'll see it. It's like a metal mug with no handle on it though. And, um... It feels like a camping sort of mug, but it's quite big. The normal mug that I use fits 350 milliliters of liquid in it, whereas this fits 500 nod. So I changed my recipe a little bit and I used 26 grams of coffee instead of 22. And I made 460 grams of liquid coffee because it filled this mug nicely. And um, it didn't fill it all the way to the top though, because there's no handle. You can't hold the mug where the coffee is directly on the other side because it's too hot. So I leave a short rim around the top, which means that I can hold the, the coffee mug by the top. And because the, the coffee's not on the other side of the metal, that part isn't as hot, so you can hold it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sometimes I'm boring, aren't I? Um, Sarah's listening to this at some point, and in her head she just went, sometimes. 
<laughs> anyway, so I bought that mug from there. It was 12 quid and I really like it because it's a really nice red. It's like fire engine red and it's got Snoopy on it, which I think is cool. And um, I nearly bought a, a Timex watch with Charlie Brown on, but it was a bit too small. I like Charlie Brown and Snoopy. I think it's cool. So um, anyway, I bought this mug from there. And I had coffee in it. And because I drank that amount of coffee, that's why I had to go and have a big shit. <laughs> Looking at the time, right? That was nine minutes since I started this section of the recording. Since I mentioned that I had a shit. And those entire nine minutes came full circle to tell you why I had a big shit. But there you go. Speaking of Finland and Sweden, by the way, Espresso House. One thing that I really like there is that... When you, whenever there's a shop that sells that sriracha sauce that I like, there's always like eight different types. There's one with garlic. There's an extra hot one. There's one with uh, different flavors and oils and stuff in. I think it's nice that. But anyway, enough about that. That's what happened on Wednesday night. And then Thursday when Tom and I went shopping. And then on Thursday night, I did my gig and Tom did his gig like half an hour away. But as we were driving home, we were talking on the phone and just to keep each other awake because it's a long drive it was four and a half hours or four fifteen for tom and five for me from where we both were and to where we live because he lives in leeds well near leeds um i was talking to him and i said to him well i've just come off the a47 onto the a17 i'm getting near the bridge and he went hang on i've just done that and i realized he was in the car in front of me no, behind me. He was in the car behind me. I said, flash your lights. And he did. And he was like literally there. So um, that was quite funny. So we drove for the next two hours in close step. You know, he was right behind me. And uh, we chatted the whole way home, basically. Apart from my last 45 minutes. For my last 45 minutes, he was home. So I let him go. And uh, not that I'd have had much choice. <laughs> if I'd have said, will you stay on while I get home? And he said, no, I won't. I'm going to bed because it was three o'clock in the morning. But then I got home and all was well. Um, there you go. I started this podcast looking, thinking I don't have a lot of notes today. I, I don't know if I'm going to have that much to talk about. And then always the ones where I do that, I end up ad-libbing so much. And I think they end up being more fun. Um, I just looked, by the way, while I was on the toilet, I was looking at my phone and... Because, you know, what else? Um, Emily Atak, I've picked my phone up, so I hope it doesn't change the sound. Emily Atak, who was in the in-betweeners as Charlotte, um, and everyone fancied her, you know, as a teenager. Um, she was in the jungle on I'm a Celebrity, and that kind of stepped up a celebrity status. And I think I might have talked about this last year. She had a series of a comedy sketch show where she did stand-up intermingled with sketches, and it was balls. It was really badly unfunny. I feel like she's been let down by some really appalling writers because she's not a poor performer. Um, she's just not a stand-up. You know, you can't just be given stand-up comedy material and go out and deliver it and it'd be good. Stand-up is really hard and it requires instinct and practice and she has never had that. So you can't expect someone who's a funny, nice person to just go and be a great stand-up. So her show is really shit. It's really, really, really unfunny. Um, and as Mark Kermode says in his book about films... A dramatic film that is not that dramatic is okay. Uh, oh, someone's knocking at the door. I've no idea who. I'm just going to pause the recording again one sec. I'm back. That knock at the door was another delivery. And it was... Uh, 
my friend Joshua Jay has written a book called How Magicians Think. And it's about magic, but it's not necessarily for magicians. It's for magicians too, but it's aimed at regular people to help give them an understanding of what goes into magic and different things about magic. It's intended to be a book that magicians can recommend to non-magicians to improve their uh, understanding and enjoyment of magic. And I think it's going to be really good. It's just got delivered. I'm going to read it today. Um, it comes with a deck of cards as well, which he's uh, designed. So I just texted my friend Andy Gladwin, who they both own Vanishing Ink, a magic company together, and asked him, do I open these cards or are they going to be worth a lot of money one day? Um, I don't know if I, I wonder what he'll say. If he replies during this podcast, I'll let you know. God, I'm out of breath because I ran up and down the stairs quickly so I could carry on. So anyway, Emily Atak's shit comedy show. Mark Kermode says that a dramatic film that isn't that dramatic can still be okay. A horror film that isn't that scary can still be okay. But there is nothing that bombs worse at the box office than an unfunny comedy. And a comedy is the hardest genre of film because if it's not funny, it's not funny. A comedy that plays with zero laughs is a shit film. And that's the problem. If you're going to do comedy, you have to be funny. There's no two ways about it. There's nowhere to hide with comedy. That's why a lot of people do magic as well as comedy. Funny uh, turnaround. Because if you're not funny, but your tricks work, then the audience can still have an enjoyable experience. But if you're going to do straight comedy, you've got to be funny. Partly that's why I started Magic, because I didn't think I was funny enough to be a comedian. I've started to think that now I could be. But for years, for 20 years that I've been a performer, I've never believed that I was funny enough to just be a comedian. And over the last year of doing this podcast, I've started to think, well, maybe if I really took those ideas from this podcast, little things like trying to store cheesecake in the side of your mouth, for instance, from today, uh, and, you know, hammered them out over 50 gigs, I could end up with some funny, strong, unique stand-up. But I never, ever believed that before because comedy is really, really hard. And a lot of people that do comedy are faking it. Like a lot of comics on the circuit that I work, um, you know, cruise ships and holiday parks and things like that, they're doing comedy acts but they didn't write any of the material themselves. Of, of course, there are loads that have and are brilliant, but a lot of them are repeating jokes that they heard other comedians say when they were getting into it. And there's kind of a pot of, you know, a thousand jokes. And if you go on cruise ships and you see 10 comedians, there's a good chance you'll hear a good crossover of those jokes because a lot of them pick the same stuff. And even if you don't know the exact joke, you'll recognize the format a mile off. So comedy is so difficult that a huge percentage of the people even in it and doing it for a job are faking it and don't actually have funny bones. They just steal or, you know, use what are understood to be communal jokes to, to flourish out their acts, to flush it, to fill out their acts. Um, so I say all of this with the proviso that I accept comedy is very hard. And this girl uh, has been thrown into the deep end with um, with this thing. And it's really hard. I mean, you know, it's just a shit comedy show. 
<laughs> and it's a shit comedy show because it's not funny. And the reason it's not funny is that she clearly doesn't have good writers. You know, give this woman a break. She needs some good writers um, to get to even have a chance. But anyway, the reason I'm telling you all this is while I was looking on Facebook, um, I read some of the comments underneath the fact that she's been given a second season. Somehow, some non-understandable way, it's been given a second season. And of course, this this the comedy that she does, the stand-up, she talks about life from a female perspective, because she's a woman, and she talks about things that not necessarily all men would identify with. So when I read the negative comments from men, I tend to take those with a pinch of salt, because I think this show isn't necessarily for you. You know, you don't see men slagging off kids' TV because it doesn't appeal to them. But you do tend to see men slagging off female comedians because they don't get them. But I personally don't have that problem. I enjoy female comedians exactly as much as I enjoy male comedians. There's no... Funny is funny to me. And I can often empathise with the issue, even if it's not something I've experienced myself. So take that with a pinch of salt when you read men's comments, but also about female comedians. But also a lot of the comments saying that this show is not funny are also from women. So I did think, well, maybe she's got a huge following of women that love this show because a lot of the negativity seems to be from men. But a lot of women don't appear to like it that much either. <laughs> but anyway, because it's not funny. But some of the comments, I screenshotted a couple of pages about the way that people decided to slag this show off. Someone put, I'd rather listen to Coldplay, uh, Coldplay 24-7. Someone put, um, just watch 10 minutes of this poor excuse for comedy. Please don't give it another season. It's awful. Seriously unfunny and tasteless. Um, there you go. Someone wrote, <laughs> someone's written, I would rather listen to my dad enter my mother through the neighbor's telephone. I mean, that's specific, the neighbor's telephone. I don't get that. But I'd rather listen to my dad bang my mum is, uh, is the central point there. And then this one, it says, <laughs> it says, many years back, I was diagnosed with diverticulitis, which meant I had to have an ileostomy and a stoma. I was extremely ill and took years to recover. When diagnosed, I was told I could die and or become impotent post-op. I laughed more at that news than I have at this show. <laughs> what I like about this guy is when I was diagnosed, I was told I could die and or become impotent post-op. To me, he's used and or incorrectly then because if you could die and become impotent, you can't become a stiff and become unable to become stiff. I mean, it, surely it's either die or become impotent. I could either die or become unable to get an erection, not die and or be able unable to get an erection. I mean, that doesn't make sense, does it? It's one or the other. If you're dead, it doesn't matter whether or not you can get a hard on, is what I'm saying. But if you're dead or unable to get an erection, that's fine. He didn't need and or there. I might reply to that comment. I might find that post again and reply to that comment and say, surely it's one or the other, mate. <laughs> 
you're either stiff or stiff or unstiff or, you know, anyway. So they're the comments on it. People are not enjoying the new show. Um, <laughs> Andy Gladwin has replied back saying, no idea on whether or not those decks are going to become very valuable. It's not the exact wording he used, but I'll tell you enough to say that he doesn't know. Um, I've l really no idea how long this podcast is now. I did 20 minutes the first time. Then I think I did 10-ish. And now it's been eight. So it, c it should be closing in, but I've still got so much left to talk about now. Um, God. So anyway... That was Norwich and everything. And that was Emily Atak's show. Um, I had to take Joshua for a PCR test. He had one. And then he went back to school. And then someone in his class got COVID. Even though Joshua wasn't in school when that kid was, they made him have another test before he could go back. So they made all the kids do it. The test is ridiculous, right? You drive to the test. Sarah told me this already, but I couldn't imagine it was as bad as what it ended up being. You drive to the test centre and there are warning signs. Do not wind down your window until you are instructed. So you drive up to the first guy and he gets you to hold up your phone to the window with the test. And then he scans your QR code on your phone through the window. But you mustn't put the window down. Then you drive to the next guy and the next guy is holding a clipboard. And the clipboard has got a telephone number on it. And you dial the telephone number and he answers. <laughs> in one hand, he's got a clipboard and in the other hand, he's got a telephone. I mean, two minutes after this, we're in Sainsbury's shopping for normal stuff with loads of people who haven't got masks and stuff on. The, the level of caution at this test centre, I just don't understand it. I know that they're dealing predominantly with people who must have symptoms, surely. But Joshua had a cough. He got PCR tested, then went back to school and a kid who'd had COVID but wasn't in the same day as him had, you know, had tested positive. So he had to have another test. We knew that Joshua didn't have COVID. He'd been tested the day before. Fuck me. So, you know, here we are, second day in a row. So I caught the guy holds up the clipboard, right? And it's got the phone number on. So I ring it. And then he answers. But the way that he answered, he went, hello. <laughs> that tone. Like, if, it's, if he's looking at me in the car and I've dialed it, surely he go, hello, welcome to the test centre. Surely that's it. But he went, hello. As if he didn't know who was ringing him. So I said, imagine this, right? I dial the number. He goes, hello. And I go, well, it's obviously me, isn't it? <laughs> and he laughed. And then I laughed and Joshua wondered what we were both laughing at. And then he said to me, right, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to step away from the car. You wind down the passenger side window and I will pass the PCR test kit through your window. But he did it using a litter picker. You know, those long stem things with a handle on one end, like a trigger and then a grippy thing on the other. He gets the test in one of those. The window goes down and he passes the test through the window. It's like a zombie apocalypse, honestly. Joshua watches the test go past his face in this litter picker to me. And it, as his eyes tilted up towards me, like a little sideways glance, I started to laugh. And then Joshua started to laugh. And then I grabbed hold of the test. 
But I also, because I'm mischievous, just grabbed the little the litter picker a little bit. I just held on to the end. So when he went to pull the litter picker back out of the car, I hadn't let go of it. I was holding it so that he had a bit of a worried look on his face. Wasn't sure what was happening. And then I let go and took the test and wound the window up. Then you park in a bay and you've got to administer the test yourself. So I have to scrape Joshua's tonsils with the... Um, little thing and I can't show you this but if you imagine he's sitting there with his mouth wide open and I touch his tonsils and he goes <laughs> and retches you know when a cat coughs with its tongue out you know how cats cough with their tongues out like little kids cough it's like that face so that's making me laugh as well the whole thing I just thought it was hilarious I put the test in the little sample pot and all that sort of stuff and then Another guy comes and tells you what to do. You have to put it on the dashboard so they can scan the code again and then drive around to the next bit. Then you drive around to the next bit and there's like a cooler, a cooler box that you have to put the test in. But it's not right next to the car. I'd say that it's minimum a three pointer. You've parked, but you've got to throw this test thing into the bin and hit a three. You've got a LeBron James, this test kit, into this cooler. So you hit your shot, and I did. I was pleased. And then we drive away, and I took Joshua for a milkshake at McDonald's because uh, he's a good boy. But then the test result came back, obviously negative because he'd been tested the day before. But there you go. So we had two COVID tests in a row uh, and was negative on both. So the, the poor lad is... Um, feeling much better then i was a bit ill anyway because i'd been around so much illness tom was ill the week we're away he tested as well and didn't have covid just a standard cough and cold so i was with him we shared a hotel obviously half the week and then i was at home with joshua on the front and back of these two things so i was getting ill from both of them i joshua's cold and tom's cough so i was ill all weekend and felt shit um and I don't really get ill, but I think being around two different people with two different strains of cough and cold just battered my immune system to the point that it couldn't handle both. So I never got really ill, but I did feel excessively run down. I went to see Aston Villa on Saturday. Um, things were going really well. We were winning 2-0 after half time. Um, it was a goalless first half, but then second half, literally two minutes into the first uh, second half, Danny Ings scored a flying header, and then we went two 0 up. John McGinn, Super John McGinn, meatball head, scored a class um, left footed volley from outside of the box, and we were two 0 up, and it was going really well. And all the fans were singing because it Wolverhampton is the derby game; it's like the other local team. So they're giving them a lot of shit. And all the Villa fans are singing 2-0 on your big day out. 2-0 on your big day out. 2-0. Literally in the middle of that song, Wolves scored an equaliser. Uh, sorry, not an equaliser. Went 1-1 one, one up as well. So it's 2-1 now. They've got a goal on the board. And everyone starts singing again. To one on your big day out. To there's sort of a gallows humour to football fans as well. So they're singing to one on your big day out, and we're all laughing, going, "Oh well, there's only ten minutes left, and they've only got one back. It'll be fine." They literally score an equaliser then. So now it's two all, two all with minutes left. You know, we're in the last five minutes. Then Neves gets a free kick just outside of the Villa box. Guess what happens in the third minute of extra time? Wolves go up by one, three, two. 
Final whistle blows. Villa went from being 2-0 to being 3-2 down. And the Wolves fans are singing, 2-0 and you fucked it up, 2-0 and you fucked it up, 2-0. And so, you know, it was abysmal. Mass exodus out of the ground. Fans getting up, disgust, everyone leaving. It was brutal. Really brutal. My friend Chris Congreve, who's a, a Wolverhampton supporter, FaceTimed me immediately. As soon as Villa went down by a goal, I get a FaceTime on my phone. I rejected it and I just texted him saying, you're all right, cheers. <laughs> I'm not having that. I'm not having you gloating. Then I called him back from the car and he was pissing himself laughing. So that was that. And then the rest of the week, and I'm sort of, you know, I do need to just get on with it really. The rest of the week, um, I've just done nothing except paint stools. The stools for my show, I bought another set so that I'd have two sets, one for in the studio because I didn't want to have to lug stuff in and out. And also the other ones were looking a bit old. But actually, because I'd bought new ones and I got paint and all that sort of stuff, I painted them all up, put the new bits and bobs on, made them look really nice, added in the little extra stuff that I do to help them work for my show. And then I thought, well, I might as well see what I can do with the old ones. So I sanded them down and I got some wood glue because a couple of bits, you know, were a bit loose. And I glued them back together with wood glue. And then I sanded them fully with an electric sander. And they were basically quite plain. It was still orange, but they were, you know, uh, plain. And then I wiped them down to get all the sanding bits off and painted them again. And actually with the wood glue and tightening the screws and the paint, they look good as new. So now I've got two sets, which are basically perfect. So the old set is back in the car, ready for shows for the rest of the season. And the new set is sitting in the outbuilding. And I'll use those next year when I do shows. But uh, I'm pleased to have two sets because that will add to my thing of basically having two of everything, which has been a bit of a goal. Anyway, Sunday, that's mainly what I did. We ordered food from Six Burgers, which was delicious. Uh, painted the stools, just chilled out. Then Monday, um, I'm on the phone to Tom again. And he's ordering breakfast. And he says, hang on, I'm just going to order this breakfast. And he, he said to me, he said to the woman, do you, want, do you want sauce? And he went, yeah, red sauce, please. And I thought, isn't it funny that we call ketchup, tomato ketchup. Maybe it's only in the UK. But we call it red sauce, red sauce and brown sauce. I'll have red sauce, please. Um, I mean, brown sauce literally is called brown sauce. It doesn't really have an, another name. At least ketchup is called tomato ketchup or tomato sauce or whatever. But, it, but we usually refer to it as red sauce. Whereas brown sauce is actually called brown sauce. Um, there isn't another name. Yeah, there really isn't another name for it. But... Tom said red sauce. And he said, imagine if you ordered everything like that, because red sauce does have an actual name. But imagine if you hold, uh, ordered your whole breakfast like that. Hi, can I have uh, two white squares, three brown oblongs, some misshapen pink bits and a beige triangle? <laughs> that was two bits of bread, um, some sausages, bacon, and a beige triangle was uh, a hash brown. So yeah, that'd just be a weird way to order stuff, wouldn't it? Can I have three base triangles? Uh, how many brown oblongs do you want? Two. How many misshapen pink bits have you got? I'll have all four of them. But it's just weird, isn't it? Red sauce. I want red. Give me red sauce. So that was that. Yeah, that was Tom's breakfast order. And then the week kind of passed along. All was well. 
Um, Monday, I woke up extremely tired and I had to take Joshua to school. I did the school run. It was one of those days where you get out of bed and you're absolutely certain that the second you get back in the house, you're going back to bed. You know those mornings when you get up and you're just tired and you think, I'm going back to bed as soon as I get back in. If you just have to nip out and do a job. The school run's really the best example. Um, I do that quite often. I think I'm getting, I'm getting back in bed when I get home. Monday, I thought that, but I didn't do it. And I was off as well. I didn't have a gig or anything. But then Tuesday, I woke up and I was knackered. And I thought, I'm definitely going back to bed today. And I did. I got back in the house two minutes after nine. And I got straight back in bed. And by about quarter past nine, I fell asleep. I didn't wake up again until half eleven. And I felt really good about it. Really, like, I felt really charged up. And so Tuesday... As soon as I got out of bed, I cracked on with loads of jobs. I hoovered the whole house. I finished painting the stools. Fucking stools. I finished painting the stools. Um, sorted some show stuff out. Just did loads and loads of jobs. And it was really good. And then I had a close-up gig. Again with Tom. Tom and I have hung out a lot in the last week and a bit. Um, up in Newcastle last night. So Tom and I went up to Newcastle separately. I parked next to him in this multi-storey car park. And in we went. We were supposed to have a room to get changed in, which a guy went off to find for us. But after 25, 30 minutes, it still hadn't materialised. And we're supposed to be starting the gig in five minutes. So we went looking ourselves. It was only meant to be a conference room. It was the Crown Plaza in Newcastle, so it's a massive hotel. And we found a conference room which had been used but wasn't clean, but it was all right, we didn't mind. And we literally just got changed in that and left our stuff in it. And... um when we came back after the show, because there was only an hour and a bit of close-up um, between everyone sitting down and main course being served. We had eight tables each, so we did have to bat around it, really. We had, like, five minutes per table. Uh, and that's weird for me, because, as you know, I don't really do close-up. I won't say that I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't, no I didn't not enjoy it, but I didn't actively enjoy it. It was all right. I enjoyed it because Tom was there, and it was a laugh, and we were able to do jokes between us and, you know, hang out in between tables and stuff. Whereas when you're on your own, close-up gigs are a bit shit. But, you know, I did it. And it was okay. And the audience loved it, obviously. You know, close-up magic, when you see it, is amazing. People love it. But for a performing point of view, it doesn't give me the same level of satisfaction as a stage gig does. I think because there's not enough space for all of the emotions that you can put into a stage show. In a stage show, you know, you can have fun and comedy and pathos and, you know, serious bits and music and a lot of theatricality. It's a lot harder to do that in five to seven minutes at a table. So I don't enjoy it as much for that. But for getting in there, doing close-up magic and really battering round tables and it being, you know, good for your audience, that's not unpleasant at all. It was quite fun. So Tom and I had a nice time and then we drove back and um, I got in and I had some chicken sandwiches and I played Call of Duty and that was basically my day. It was pretty good. It was pretty all right. Um, we don't mind that at all. So there it is, friends. That is going to be today's pot. Oh, I probably have more shit to talk about. There's actually more. There's stuff left on the list that I haven't said yet, but I'm just going to save it for next week because um, I thought I didn't have enough to talk about in the end. You know, you have too much. Hmm. I feel like... I just was drinking some fresh orange from the bottle there. I feel like this week and last week, I've been finding my way with the podcast a bit better. Do you remember when I first 
started... No, not when I first started the podcast. Maybe. When I first started the podcast, I think it was quite diary-heavy, just going through your days. And then I realised that actually that wasn't very good. You just want to pick a few things and really explore them. And then the same's happening now, because it was weekly... And I wrote notes day by day. I felt like I was combing through the week, the first few weeks of doing the podcast weekly and basically just describing everything that I've been up to. Whereas last week and this week, I feel like actually having fewer notes, but just on things that were especially unique or funny or whatever has been better. So I hope you felt the same. Um, I've enjoyed the last couple of weeks of podcasts. So there it is. Let's hope you have as well. Anyway, I'm going to go. I think this might have been a bit of a longer one, but because I've stopped twice, I can't remember or tell. Um, I will see you all next week. Until then, don't have a good day. Have a great day. That's from a film called Free Guy, which I watched five minutes of with Joshua. Um, I'll see you in a bit, friends. Bye.